Chapter 19 of What the Boys Did Over There by Henry Fox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Why I Hate a German by Private John T. Miller, number 122957, 96th Company, 6th Regiment, U.S. Marines. On the afternoon of July 24, 1917, as I was walking along the streets of Detroit, Michigan, my attention was attracted by the beat of drums and the tramp of marching men. It then dawned on me that I was big enough to do my bit, so I went to the Marine Recruiting Office, enlisted, and was sent to Paris Island, South Carolina, where I was trained for four months. On January 19, 1918, I left New York and after 13 days arrived at a port in France. It was there I got my first glimpse of war. We were loaded in boxcars about half the size of American cars. They are built for eight horses, but forty marines had to spend sixty hours in them. We were then in the zone of advance, but stayed only about three weeks. We went into the line the first night. It was an experience I shall never forget. Cigarettes were barred, and no loud talking permitted. I thought it was very funny, but soon learned different. The third night in, Heine paid us a visit. There were 37 of us holding about 500 yards of front line. This at one time was a quiet sector, but it woke up on this night. We had no reserves, and retreat was impossible, so all we had to do was to stay and entertain our visitors. There were about 250, and none of them looked starved to death. After the barrage lifted, we saw some of the boys that we had traveled over 3,000 miles to see. I was in a daze when I saw my first Heine, and he looked about as big as the Woolworth building. But I woke up in time to realize that I had a rifle and hadn't forgotten how to use it. Heine stopped in our wire and stayed there. Our visitors were all given a royal reception. Six of our boys went to the hospital, but we left over a hundred of the Kaiser's boys in front of and in the trench and had the trouble of burying them. From that night on, we took more precaution, and I was the one that was made the goat. My bunkie and I took up our post in no man's land at sunset each night and stayed until midnight. We were put there for the purpose of announcing Heine if he should call again. Heine did not worry me so much, but the rats, which we called war babies, insisted on sleeping in my arms and as we were in a position where the slightest noise would send us to the hospital, or perhaps west, the war babies had everything their own way, and the cooties would keep us company every night. They would parade up and down my back, and of course I had to stand for it. 
I laid out there three nights with my pal. On the fourth day, about five o'clock, we decided to wash, as it would be the first time in five days. We got down to the spring without being seen, and were enjoying a wonderful bath when the hiney spotted us and started to snipe with his six-inch shells. Bill and I made for the dugout and had about two hundred feet to go when a shell hit under Bill's feet. I did not stop, for it was useless, as all I could see was blood and a part of a shattered leg. We picked Bill up in a box. It sure hit me hard, but it is all in the game. I swore that night I would get even, and I think I have. After three months in the front line, in and around Verdun, we went out for a rest, but not for long. We had been in a rest camp about ten days, when on the night of May 28th, at nine o'clock, we were ordered to move up the line and stop Heine, who wanted to make Paris his headquarters. We were loaded in motor lorries and rode all night and part of the day. We arrived at a little town and got something to eat, the first we had in twenty-four hours. We then started on a march which lasted 36 hours, when we arrived at a town about five miles behind the line, tired and hungry. I will go on record, right here, to say that I have been over every inch of France, in boxcars, hospital trains, motor lorries, and the rest I hiked. We arrived at this town about 2 a.m. and were ordered into the line, but thanks to our commanding officer, we did not go. The inhabitants had evacuated, and we were told to go and sleep in any house we could find. It was here that I saw the first example of German culture. In a room in the house I went into, I saw a mother, with part of her head blown off, with a six-months-old baby in her arms, both lying on the bed, dead. In the corner was a six-year-old boy, who had evidently been killed by the same shell that killed the mother and baby. But with all that, I had a good night's sleep, which I needed. In the morning, we killed what livestock we could find, and sure did eat. That night we were ordered into the line, and there we began to see real war. Heine started to send over everything he had, in the way of shells, high explosives, shrapnel, and machine gun bullets. There were no trenches, and the only protection we had were the holes which we dug to lie in. Things were flying, and I did not take time to get my shovel, which I had in my pack, but used my mess gear instead. We laid in those holes for three days and dared not stick our heads up. If we did, it meant taps, and that we would not have to answer reveille in the morning. What we had to eat we had at night, and it was very little— a French ration, consisting of monkey meat and French bread, but anything tasted good. 
one night a lad from texas who was not satisfied with his boudoir in the ground decided to change hotels about that time heine saved him the trouble by sending an eight inch h e which made a hole big enough to put a regiment in so tex decided to take up quarters in it he had just arrived in his new home or hole when heine duplicated the order which hit on the edge of the first hole tex came sailing over my head i first thought he had joined the aviation and was going to heaven but when i looked around there was tex sitting on the ground trying to find out if he was all together and cursing heine for being so attentive looking at me he said can you imagine those dutchmen sniping at me with an eight-inch gun on the afternoon of june sixth we received orders to pack up and we all had the idea that we were to get a rest all were counting on the sleep and bath we would have but no such luck it was here when the french had retreated so far that the artillery was no good to us and the general in charge of the division said the words that will remain in history forever retreat hell we're going ahead and we were ordered to go over the top at five fifteen the order came at five o'clock i cannot describe the feeling one has while waiting for the word it seemed to me that the time would never come but suddenly the silence was broken by the blast of a whistle and we were on our way the sun was shining and the country looked wonderful and across the wheat we started to reach our objective which was the town of bursch we had gone no more than about one hundred feet when our captain the first man to go down was hit six times in the body i began to realize then what we were up against for heine must have had a million machine guns and they were all working the boy started to fall and all that was heard was i'm hit or heine got me a lad beside me got it in the ankle and said to me kid what do you think of that dirty bunch of dutchmen they won't even let me get started when you get into the town kill tin for me i promised him i would and left him i don't know whether i fulfilled my promise but i told him i did when i saw him later in the hospital when i arrived at the town which was our objective there were forty-seven left of two hundred fifty-six in our original company the germans were in one end of the town and we were in the other and as the reader will understand one town could not hold both parties so we started to move heine some of us were detailed to put heine out and it was no easy job for every heine had a machine gun but it was the same old story they would fire their guns until we were on top of them then throw up their hands and shout camarade 
and beg for mercy but after you go through as far as that you cease to be human and don't know what mercy is we reached our objective at 5.30 p.m., and at 9 o'clock, by direction of one lieutenant, the only officer left in the company, and a pal to all the boys, we had Heine on the outside, the town fortified, and 900 men put into the position. Again, and up until the time I was hit, it was little or no sleep, for Heine insisted upon coming back into the town. On the afternoon of June 10th, I was going after some water, and some Heine with a machine gun gave me my fare to the hospital, in the form of a bullet in the knee. Some of the boys carried me into a dugout, where I had to wait until dark, and then was carried to the rear, put in a Ford ambulance, and started to Paris. Twenty-seven miles in a Ford on a stretcher is no joyride, but it was good enough. Then I reached the hospital in Paris. I had not had my clothes off for fifty-seven days. When I got a bath and saw a bed with white linen and blankets and something real to eat, I thought I was in paradise. After the operation, all I could do was to sing, please go away and let me sleep. After three months in the hospitals of France, I was put on a transport and started for New York. I am now in the hospital awaiting discharge, and think it all a dream, and am in fear that someone will pinch me, and I will wake up. End of chapter 19